you're about to hear my conversation with our investment strategist, Brent Joyce. We talk all about earnings, sentiment, and yield expectations. I hope you enjoy. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Information relating to investment approaches or individual investments should not be construed as advice or endorsement. Listeners should seek professional advice for their situation. Welcome to the McKenzie Investments Podcast. My name is Matthew Schnur, and I'm delighted to be back with Brent Joyce. Brent, welcome back to the podcast. Always a pleasure to be here, Matt. It's been about a month since we've had you on, and uh, there's been lots that has happened uh, over that month. Uh, we've seen very high inflation numbers, very high earnings numbers, uh, sort of a uh, back and forth on yields. Uh, maybe I'll just start with a very general question. How are you thinking about markets as they sit right now, uh, and what have you been what have you been paying attention to over the past month? Yeah, certainly the inflation story that you keyed upon. I know it's been. Um, topic of conversation with some of the others uh, you have on the podcast uh, since the last time I was here in October. Uh, we'll, we'll for sure get into uh, that conversation. Uh, stocks have continued to largely move higher. I think we have to think about all of these in these conversations. You hear me talk about the rate of change on things. And that's often what we're looking at, right? What has changed as it relates to what the market believed in for corporate earnings, which for equities is the lifeblood of share prices? Sure. What has the what has changed in terms of the view on the bond market, and in turn, I would say the equity markets' um, observation of that or spectatorship of that with regard to bond yields, central bank policy. Uh, obviously, inflation is, is part of that story. And then the third piece that very much is the narrative often in the media and in the short term are what I would bucket into the other category. And we put a label on that really as, as sentiment driven um, metrics uh, in the markets. And we can certainly talk about those uh, over the past month. So that framework aligns with what we try to understand when we're making forecasts and, and thinking about targets and thinking about where markets are headed. Fundamentals of earnings, the yield backdrop that you discount those earnings on, and obviously the other half of capital markets being the bond market, uh, and then sentiment indicators. Well, maybe we get uh, a little bit more details on each of those three buckets as you, as you laid them out. Um, and let's start with sentiment. Uh, I think that uh, the the markets are um, always looking for, uh, they're, they're forward looking, of course. Uh, and we've just had some recent highs for the equity markets, a lot of volatility uh, within the yield market. Uh, what's your view on the sentiment right now? Are investors continually uh, bullish? Do you, do you expect that to uh, be at risk of changing? Yeah, one of the things that's a bit difficult to discern or to tease out when we talk about quote unquote sentiment is wrapped up in that is liquidity. Markets moving on just the basis of uh, money that's flowing through the system. Right. And there's still tons of that. So as much as we now have most global central banks um, heading toward the exits, it's important. And this is, again, where I emphasize the rate of change of things. Often the language that the media uses is to paint these things as, as negative. But the stimulus that's flowing from central banks is still in the positive side of the column. 
It is not a, a negative. We're not contracting yet. We're simply changing the rate of the amount that that stimulus is going in. So if you think of the U.S. Federal Reserve, for example, at, at $15 billion reduction per month, that's going to take you know many, many months, six to eight months, if they don't change that path, for that to bring their net purchases on a monthly basis to zero. So they continue right. to purchase securities in the marketplace. So there still is liquidity that is flowing in the market. A lot of this is we look at in terms of um, period over period comparisons, and, and the most common one would be year over year. So we're still having year over year injections of liquidity for the U.S. alone, set aside other global central banks where the, the ECB has done very little. You know, the Bank of Canada and Australia and some of these other tertiary banks uh, are, are moving more rapidly. Um, Japan has done nothing in terms of any change in its view or the rate of its change of purchases. So you still have lots and lots of liquidity going through there. So for the U.S., for example, you know, we're still at a 10% year-over-year growth in terms of um, purchases being pushed into the into the economy. When you look at what happens to equities, and everyone was concerned about this taper tantrum, right? Uh, a few things on that. One is anytime equity markets face something that they've faced in the past, they generally will digest it easier or, or with less heartburn, so to speak, than the first time that it happens when it is a complete unknown. So tapering and working through that, albeit is, is something that's, you know, in the last decade, uh, a modern phenomenon, it's, this isn't the first time. Right. So equities are likely to be, you know, less concerned than with that piece that had the uncertainty in it. But it doesn't change the fact that uh, we think about sentiment and we think about liquidity as being you know, one of these sort of nebulous things that's that's hard to put our fingers on, unlike yields, you put a number on it, earnings, you put a number on it. Um, you look at, at liquidity and how things are moving around through the market. It is shrinking, but it's not contracting as of yet. So the path, you know, for the next three to six months still is going to be one that is benefiting from liquidity injections. That certainly will come to an end. And clearly that is the, the debate around the, both the bond market and the equity market is now that the switch has been flipped, uh, when it runs out, what is going to happen? And that's all being informed clearly by, um, you know, Fed Reserve appointments and the FOMC versus the board and, and, and all that has, again, things that have changed now since the last time we spoke. Great. Uh, you mentioned uh, markets um, not overreacting to things that they've experienced before. One thing that's a little bit new this time, or, or it's certainly been some time since uh, markets have experienced, is inflation numbers uh, where uh, we're getting close and above 6% uh, in, in sort of the, the monthly inflation numbers. What's your view on, on inflation? Uh, do those large numbers um, concern you? Uh, over the the mid to long term, or or do you feel like this is something that will um, that markets will be able to deal with? They don't concern me nearly as much as you would if you open the newspaper, turn the TV on, or, or, or scour the internet. Right? It is it is gone. We've talked about this a little bit. Uh, I think the last time I was on, and that I warned that we were going to have to uh, get accustomed to this. Um, uh, ever-beating drum uh, a narrative around inflation. Uh, politicians had jumped on the bandwagon. That has not changed. It's bleeding now into policy choices on the part of politicians, whether we think about passing legislation uh, in the U.S. and concerns about that being inflationary. So the, the rhetoric around it is is well, well above in terms of the, the, the volume of noise than my level of concern. Okay. For equities in particular... Inflation per se is not the boogeyman. 
right? Companies are a cog in the machine of the inflation mechanism. If companies aren't passing on prices, then you're not going to have Main Street inflation. So clearly that's happening. We continue to have very, very solid uh, profit margins. Uh, so right. that means that prices are being passed on. When you look at what's happening in, in manufacturing, which would be you know the, the front end of, of the chain, and then when you look at what's happening at the back end of the chain in retail, all of that has improved since the last time that we spoke. And it it's improved in that people are starting to talk about what we were talking about a month ago, peak supply chain issues, uh, peak mm-hmm. inflation issues. The inflation piece, b- because it's a, a lagged impact, we've got a couple more months where that's going to continue to be front and center and a source of um, concern on the part of certainly the bond market, uh, but equities as well. But for stocks, they're real assets at the end of the day. You own a piece of an earnings stream from a corporation, you know, represented by a share uh, in that business, an ownership stake in that business. And so real assets are going to respond to inflation by repricing higher. And that's what we're seeing, right? So if you you've looked at equities over long periods of time, they've been not only a reflection of capitalism and innovation, right, but they certainly have been an inflation hedge through time as well. So some of this move in the in the most recent period, and I wouldn't call it you know weeks, but certainly the last three, four, five, six months, as markets have continued to march higher, is the fact that earnings, which we'll talk about, earnings are a nominal number. Right. So we have a real asset at the end of the day, the share price or the piece of paper that represents the share. And we are benchmarking that against a nominal number baked into seven and eight or nine, 10% earnings growth estimates as you move out. Those are going to naturally creep higher on a nominal basis if you expect inflation to continue. So we expect inflation to still be, at the risk of sounding trite, transitory, meaning that this is not becoming perpetual increases. We've used the example in the past, and and it's you know um, somewhat simplified for sure. But oil going from forty to eighty, right, is one hundred percent inflation. Oil going from eighty to eighty three is not, right? That's less than four percent inflation. And we've yeah. seen oil prices come down, you know, six percent in a week last week. So a lot of um, very very flashy, hot button, emotional. Uh, conversations around inflation and pricing increase because they do have a meaningful impact on households and household budgets. Uh, as far as the equity market goes, stocks can live with inflation. What they fear is the overreaction potentially because of these eye-popping numbers on the part of central banks who have been trying to thread this needle with their narrative of transitory and all that swirling in some Terrible communication, quite frankly, if you look at the Bank of England over the past month, flip-flopping on their narrative, Uh, and then just the uncertainty around what's happening at the Fed, not just with Powell, but you've got these two resignations because of folks who uh, had their hand in the cookie jar or or whatever it was on the ethics side, right, trading uh, in advance of, of an FOMC meeting that is opening up vacancies that need to be filled. Great. Well, maybe let's let's uh, use that as a um, start to get into the yield discussion. Uh, you're talking about uh, a new members of the FOMC. Um, I think I read uh, today that Powell uh, is going to be put forward to to continue on as a, the central banker um, by by Biden. What are your views on yield right now? Um, certainly, you have this. 
uh, a pretty sharp re-rating uh, over the past month with uh, the, the short end of the curve coming up fairly sharply, the long end uh, coming down a little bit. What's your view on it in general? Yeah, I think it's playing out largely as we anticipated um, you know, three or four months ago when we said, look, yields need to be higher in this robust economy. Inflation is coming. We saw these numbers coming, which is part and parcel you know, why the, the even the bond market to some extent, you know, the fact that you can't get over 170 here for the U.S. 10-year with the 6.2% inflation print, the headline print, right? We've got PC coming out this week. Um, we'll see if that is uh, is a big surprise or not. But these numbers are less surprising when you spend time with them and, you, and you've been paying attention to them. But the media jumps all over them. And so when we think about um, the central bank response here, they've had to acknowledge the inflation piece and it's become politics. So yes, Powell is now uh, being put forward. That should be a fairly straightforward um, uh, approval uh, in the terms of confirmation uh, of him as, as a second term. Right? He was appointed by a Republican. He's now being re-upped as, by a Democrat. Um, the, uh, the alternative that was um, Leo Brainerd. And on policy, she, like monetary policy, interest rates and, to, and QE, her and Powell, there's not a lot of daylight between the two of them. They're, they're very similar on that, which is dovish, um, where there was differentiation was on um, Leo Brandon's view toward uh, um, bank regulation and other things that, that right. the Fed has uh, at, uh, at their purview. So back to your original question around yields, they have moved up. The move that we described you know, we've said it's a repeat of the first quarter, but it's going to be Q1 light, right? And so, and that's what it's working out to be. The move mm -hmm. higher in bond yields is not as um, severe as it was in Q1, partly because our starting point was slightly higher. And now we're starting to see them um, flatten out a little bit. So the trend is still higher. We think there is still more room to go, but there's been a fair amount of the heavy lifting that has been done already. That uh, is in the context of, the bond market and the equity market sort of looking at the central banks and believing or hoping, perhaps, fingers crossed, that central bankers can thread this needle between uh, getting rates normalized. So, so for sure, there is a, um, a rationale to say that, that overnight rates need to at least be normalized. We're no, long, no longer in, sure. a, in an emergency situation, right? Even, even though we've got COVID, um, you know, coming back and fits and starts, the the response to it doesn't need to be nearly as uh, severe as it was when we first uh, went into this thing. And so, so normalization makes sense. It's an over-tightening that stocks fear. The Fed is still sticking very much to its narrative. I think it's going to be fine. And our base case is that they can balance this out if we think about eight, 10 months from now. The risk, however, has gone up that the the in, um, volume of, of concern over inflation coming out of politicians and coming out of the media forces the Fed to have to have to do something sooner than they otherwise would, or has the equity market thinking that the Fed is now falling behind? Right. So the fact that you get some in, in additional rate hikes priced in by the bond market can be quite soothing for the equity markets that oh, okay the bond market thinks that the Fed is is still at the wheel here and hasn't fallen asleep. And there's an opportunity to thread this needle because it is the sharp increase in interest rates because of a policy mistake that the equity market fears most of all. I see. The equity market can certainly get its head around. We don't need emergency responses anymore. And so a year from now, we should have removed most or all of, of those emergency responses. But the, 
the risk of a policy error has certainly gone up since last time we spoke. Great. Well, maybe now we'll turn uh, to the last segment, which is earnings. Uh, you, you sort of uh, briefly touched on them uh, several times during the conversation. Um, and I guess maybe I'll start with uh, with your view on earnings. They've certainly been nominally very, very strong. But of course, with inflation, um, the, the, the numbers that we've seen, the real earnings, uh, quote unquote, uh, might be somewhat uh, uh, smaller. So what, are you, what is your view on earnings? Uh, do you think corporations are able to, to maintain this going forward? Uh, and uh, and just generally on earnings and, and uh, perhaps some comments on the pricing of the overall markets as well. Yeah, that's the key to it all, right? It's to synthesize where does sentiment land, where do yields land, and what will earnings look like, and what's already priced in. So, just straight up on multiples, it, you know, things are, are looking quite reasonable. Um, so, still have elevated multiples uh, in the U.S., and you could perhaps justify those based, you know, on a sector basis. We're slight underweight the U.S. because of of um, those elevated multiples, not because we necessarily have a huge fear, just that we see better opportunities in non-U.S. markets. If you think yields are headed slightly higher, which we do, if you think that we're going to have a continued reopening, uh, then cyclicals are where you want to be. And that's just not where the U.S. market is uh, is overweight. So you would look sure. to Canada, you would look to, to non-U.S. markets for that. The earnings story is, is one that really solidifies in our minds. We have to get comfortable that the rate of change is going to come down very, very quickly. So we're 25% year-to-date returns, right? We've got, you know, 30% plus um, year-over-year numbers for equity markets. And when you're looking at earnings that are coming in at 40% year-over-year growth, right. you've got room to X out some inflation there and get a real number that justifies a 30% move higher for, for equity prices. That number, like conflation, uh, is going to come tumbling down the backside of the mountain next year. How far, how much of it's sticky, all of that are unknowns for sure. We think it is a reset on inflation, not a revolution. Similarly, those earnings are going to come rolling over. We're not going to be seeing these towering 30 and 40% year-over-year moves in earnings. If nothing more, Matt, and I, you know, to, to state the obvious, the comparisons are just going to get that much more difficult sure. right, on a year-over-year basis. But you have cost pressures, for sure, that are uh, moving through the system. There is room for margins that are very healthy to give a little bit. All that means is that our view on equities as we move into 2022, uh, it's it's an elevated risk of a policy error that causes stocks to have a, a correction. So the, ta- the, the tantrum argument hasn't completely gone away. And it is a getting used to an environment where we're talking about single-digit Earnings growth, single-digit uh, stock price growth, and you know perhaps for some folks that's going to be uh, a wake-up call. Uh, for professional investors, this is just going back to an environment that um, should feel very, very comfortable. Um, it, if stock prices continuing to march higher as an asset allocator does mean that we have to look at, at and ask ourselves uh, how much further can we go here, and the story is going to become harder into 2022. And again, as an asset allocator, I have to look, you know, since our last conversation, stocks are, are up, yields are up. That tells me that stocks should be less attractive to me today than they were a month ago. If nothing has changed to justify those, a few things have changed uh, and it's still quite positive. 
But I also can't dislike bonds as much today than I did a month ago right. if yields have already moved toward where I think they belong. And so we're quite neutral. We're comfortable with that stance. Uh, neutral is not, obviously not 50-50. We have a proclivity to overweight equities on a structural basis through time. But there is, you know, bonds are, are um, I, don't, I don't dislike them as much today as I did a month ago. And certainly stocks okay. give me reason to, to ask myself, will the earnings come through? Will we get through these hurdles? I think the answer is yes, but on a risk-adjusted basis, we have a, a slight hint of caution. Great. Uh, maybe one last uh, question be before we conclude. Uh, we're starting to see COVID cases rise uh, globally, particularly in Europe. There's some countries that uh, are, are implementing some sort of lockdown or lockdown light uh, activity. Um, is this concerning to you at all? Do you, do you see that uh, there could be another global wave of COVID that either slows the recovery or, uh, or reverses it? No, I, I mean, I think we've got an, enough out the door here for vaccines, um, new therapeutics that have been announced, uh, the pill that if you catch COVID, you can take and um, and it's going to help you out. I mean, this is just fresh weeks old here, so hardly right. anybody's experienced that. So the numbers we're seeing now are, are not having, a, are, are not benefiting from an impact of those new therapeutics, which will come. It comes back to, we've seen this already, so equity markets are socialized to what to expect when we have these outbreaks. The biggest concern I would think would be, does it impact supply chains where you have, you know, in Asia in particular, hard lockdowns, zero tolerance type lockdowns, and we get another wrinkle in the supply chain. But this, the supply chains are functioning. We've dealt with that as well and, and continue to move forward with that. The, uh, the other piece is, it just shifts things around a little bit. So stocks can be very comfortable to say, well, I'm not going to get my reopening earnings in the next three months, but I'll get them three months later because we just right. got to get through this wave, right? Similarly, you're going to say, well, if I'm worried about the Fed or other central banks tightening too much, any resurgence in COVID or any uncertainty that comes from that should lead them to take a lighter hand. So it gives and takes uh, in terms of, um, you know, a fairly callous assessment on it uh, as an investor. Um, certainly, the uh, resurgence of, of the disease is, is something that we, you know, we're going to have to live with for another probably year, right? Uh, as this is, get the vaccines, get the therapeutics, all that uh, moving through here, which is why we're still in a pandemic. Obviously. Great, Brent. Uh, so let's, uh, let's call it there. Appreciate your time and insights. Uh, always, always a pleasure to have you on. Thank you very much, Matthew. content of this podcast, including facts, views, opinions, and recommendations, is not to be used or construed as investment advice and is not an offer or an invitation to buy or sell any security. The content of this podcast should not be relied upon for any purposes and McKenzie Financial Corporation is not responsible for any reliance upon it. This podcast includes forward-looking information that reflects our current expectations or forecasts of future events. Forward-looking information is subject to risks, uncertainties, and assumptions that could cause actual results to differ materially from those expressed herein. Our views are subject to change based on market conditions. Commissions, trailing commissions, management fees, and expenses may be associated with mutual fund investments. Please read the fund facts and prospectus before investing. The indicated rates of returns are historical annual compounded total returns, including changes to unit values and reinvestment of all dividends or distributions and does not take into account sales, redemptions, distribution, or optional charges or income taxes payable by any security holder that would have reduced returns. 